वसुदेवसुत कंसचाणुरमर्दनम परमानंदम कृष्णम वंदे जगद्गुरुम In the Bhagavad Gita, we are studying chapter three, and I had mentioned a couple of classes or several classes ago that um, in Madhusudan Saraswati's commentary, I had found one sentence uh, which sort of summed up spiritual life, or as spiritual life we see in Advaita Vedanta. That one, you know, the Bhagavad Gita has many commentaries. Uh, well known among them is Shankaracharya's commentary, written about fourteen hundred years ago. In Shankaracharya's tradition, that is the non-dualist tradition, Advaita Vedanta tradition, there are other commentaries, such as this one and uh, this one too. Uh, I think Sridhar Swami's commentary is slightly earlier, which is um, a very simple, um, very nice, balanced kind of commentary. Shankaracharya's commentary is called Abhashya, um, which interprets... Advaita uh, interprets Bhagavad Gita uh, in the paradigm of Advaita Vedanta, non-dual Vedanta, and also seeks to establish the philosophy of non-duality. What that that involves is when you are trying to not only explain a text but also establish a philosophy. There will be sections where you take up opposing points of view, other philosophies try to refute them, try to establish your position. So all that is there in Shankaracharya's explanation. But if you are not interested in all of that, you're just interested in the spiritual teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, then something like this was preferred. So Sridhar Swami also comes in the same lineage, the non-dualist lineage of Shankaracharya. And this one, Madhusudan Saraswati, is a great master who lived about 600 years ago, 500 to 600 years ago. He was a contemporary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you know, to whom the, the ISKCON and all this trace their beginnings to that. So about 500 to 600 years ago. But he was, a, he was a, a great devotee of Krishna, at the same time a great non-dualist. He, he wrote one of the most advanced text of, texts of polemical non-dualism called Advaita Siddhi. And he wrote, among many other things, this commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. It is called uh, Gudhartha Deepika, a lamp on the profound inner meaning of the Bhagavad Gita. So in this commentary, which is extensive, as you can see, and it's fine print. <laughs> so, uh, in that I found, at the big, he gives extensive introductions to each chapter. So, in the third chapter, the beginning of the third chapter, we find this sentence. Nothing new here, I've been telling you again and again, but in one sentence, it's nice to just, just to read it out. I'll read out the original Sanskrit and then translate for you. This is, this is <coughs> Madhusudan Saraswati's introduction to chapter 3, which we are doing now. Tathahi, to explain further. Ado, at the beginning, Nishkama Karma Nishtha, practice of Karma Yoga. That means Nishkama Karma literally means unselfish action. Dedication to unselfish action, first. Tataha, then next. Antakkarana Shuddhihi. From that arises purity of the, of the mind, of the inner instrument. So purification of mind is the result of karma yoga. 
ततः देरफ्टर शमदमादिधन शमदमादि साधन पुरस्सर देर आफ्टर डेवलपमेंट ऑफ द फोर फोल्ड क्वालिटीज एज द प्योरिटी ऑफ माइंड कम्स टुगेदर विद दैट कम्स द फोर फोल्ड क्वालिटीज फॉर अद्वैत वेदांत वी कीप हियरिंग दीज द फोर फोर एंट्री फैक्टर्स यू नो विवेक द डिसर्नमेंट बिटवीन द इटर्नल एंड द नॉन इटर्नल वैराग्य डिस्पैशन फॉर द नॉन इटर्नल देन द सिक्स disciplines shama damadi shat sampatti does anybody remember the six disciplines shama control of the the mind and the, the mind and the senses then dhamma control of the body then uparati a withdrawal from too much engagement with external you know sense enjoyments then titiksha titiksha means a spiritual fortitude toughness that can come what may i shall persist in my spiritual quest then number 5 samadhana focus settle down not once in a while swami i have been um, following your vedanta uh, following means oh last year i came to the class and then no 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 it must be consistent systematic effort so samadhana and finally shraddha a faith that what is being taught here is good and useful these are the six treasures which will support you in your spiritual journey so six fold treasure and then the fourth qualification is mumukshutvam an intense desire to be free which actually is the most important thing sri ramakrishna says just one thing is necessary an intense eagerness vyakulata he says in bengali vyakulata means a, a great restlessness for god we are very restless about the world and we are very relaxed about god actually so it is just the opposite be relaxed about the world whatever happens it's god's will and it will take care of itself do you whatever you have to do but the great restlessness for god so those four fold qualification say i don't have it it is i don't have it because the requisite purification of the mind has not been done for that what do you need to do karma yoga so far then sarva karma sanyasah after that you give up these uh, practices which you are doing karma yoga ritualistic practices remember this is the sequential method as you develop you go on to higher practices what do you re- replace it with with meditation with with uh, vedanta shravana manana niridhyasana with the study of vedanta with enquiry so sarva karma sanyasah then tataha from that vedanta vakya vichara sahita bhagavat bhakti nishtha so what do you replace it with if you have given up karma yoga and ritualistic puja and all of that bhagavat bhakti nishtha a deep devotion to god and vedanta vakya vichara sahita along with uh, the enquiry into vedanta enquiry into vedanta means shravana manan nididhyasana three things remember from that what will happen tataha from that tattva gyana nishtha you'll be established in tattva gyana that means aham brahmasmi that clarity will arise and you will stay there stay there means you will begin to think like that you will begin to live your life like that it will no longer be i understand it intellectually but practically no you will see practically it's a fact and then you will begin to live that bhagavad tattva gyana nishtha then the result of all of this will follow what is the result tasyaha phalam cha and the result of all of this त्रिगुणात्मिका अविद्या निवृत्या जीवन मुक्ति ही बाय द 
um, the negation, the eradication of the of avidya, ignorance, which is composed of the three gunas, sattva, rajas, tamas. Eradication means mithyatva nishchaya, realizing that it's an appearance. It still continues. The appearance continues, but you know it's not real. What's real? Brahman is real. And what is that Brahman? Your real nature. So you realize that ignorance disappears. That is called jivan mukti, free while living. That is the, the result. Then, prarabdha karma phalabhoga paryantam. This will continue as long as the prarabdha karma, the, the remaining karma which has produced this body, as long as that continues, this body will keep on living, enlightened while living. Tadante, at the end of, of that karma, tadante cha videha muktihi. The final liberation, the bodiless liberation. You're already liberated, but with body, and after the falling away of the body, the, the, you remain as Brahman. So this is the entire spiritual journey according to Advaita Vedanta. One sentence. Yeah, he just says, <clears throat> I have to take a deep breath before I read it out. Tathahi ado nishkama karmanishtha tato antakkarana shuddhihi tataha shamadamadi sadhana purasara sarva karma sanyasaha tato vedanta vakya vichara sahita bhagavad bhakti nishtha tataha tattvagyana nishtha tasyaha phalamcha trigunatmika avidya nivritya jivan muktihi prarabdha karma phalabhoga paryantam tadantecha videha muktihi so this is one sentence. <laughs> now, we're discussing, the, the question was, Arjuna was asking, should I give up all the work and um, off I go to the mountains and, and spend my time meditating and I won't do this, what is in front of me. And Sri Krishna was telling him, don't do that. You cannot give it up so easily. It will remain as long as desires are there in the mind, the desire for Worldly activity also remains in the mind. If you forcefully do it, you can do it. I will not fight, I'm going, going, going off to the mountains. You can do it. If, if you do it forcefully, what will happen? You will sit there in meditation, apparently not doing anything. Sitting in meditation in a cave, internally thinking about, about the world and, and the sense pleasures that you are missing out on. And he says, such a state is called mithyachara, hypocrisy. So... As opposed to the one who has forcibly given up activities, worldly activities, duties, work, and trying to restrain the mind and sits forcibly, trying to meditate internally but failing, still thinking about the world. You say, yeah, that might be his problem. I can do it. Well, try it. You don't have to go up to the mountain to try it. Just sit quietly for five minutes and try. I will think only about God and nothing else. Within 15 seconds, you will see other thoughts are crowding into your mind. So, he says, that is not an enviable state. In contrast to that, it's much better to perform action, but then do it with the teaching of karma yoga. How? There's a skill of how to act in this world, how to live in this world, so it's a spiritual life. Because Without that teaching, if you just live in this world, default setting, you know, computer has default setting, becomes a worldly life, what people have already. And that is unproductive, of, that does not lead to spiritual development, in fact, that leads to unhappiness. So how does one live in this world and yet be spiritual? How does one perform action 
the duties of life and yet convert those actions into spiritual practice. So he says that person who can do that is far better than the person who gives up all of this and sits in the cave thinking about um, what he is missing out on. You know, good and bad. Arjuna, if he, the, the implication is if you run away from your duties as a prince, you will sit, maybe sit in a mountain cave and you will be thinking about, um, oh, the palace was much better than this. You know, it would have been nice if I had won the war and lived in the palace. It's a desire. And Dvesha, the, the dislikes and hatreds, I should have punished those villains when I had the chance to do it. Now, that will go around in your mind, not, not Om. <laughs> Something else will go on. In contrast, verse number 7. In contrast to the hypocrite, verse number 7. Yastu Indriyani Manasa Yastu Indriyani Manasa Niyam Yara Bhatir Juna Niyam Yara Bhatir Juna Karmindriyir Karma Yogam Karmindriyir Karma Yogam Asakta Savishishyate Asakta Savishishyate but he or Juna who controlling the organs by the mind performs karma yoga with the organs of action, being unattached, he excels. So what does he mean to say here? The, the word here, tu, it means but. But in distinction from, different from, different from who? The one we talked about earlier, the hypocrite, who wants to run away from the challenges of life uh, using uh, spirituality as an excuse. They call it spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing. Um, you can't do that. There's a famous story that Swami Vivekananda, when he was in Benares as a wandering monk, before he came to the United States. So there is a Durga temple there in Benares, a temple of Durga. And there are monkeys. And uh, believe you me, they are, they are something, the monkeys there. They're big and aggressive. They all, they're all waiting for handouts. I mean, you have to give them something. So they will chase you if you don't. And they like shiny things. So they take away your glasses, for example. And they do. And the only way to get them back is to bribe them. You have to give them something so they toss the glass back to you. <laughs> and uh, food. They'll put hands in your pockets, in your purses to see, in your, to, on your bags if you see if there's food. And they, have, they get pretty aggressive if you don't give them something. So Swami Vivekananda was a wandering monk, he didn't have anything and these big monkeys started following him around and he started walking faster and they, they, followed, they were running after him. He started running, they were chasing him until he heard a voice loudly saying, face the brutes, face the brutes. So he turned around and looked at them and they sort of stopped chasing him, they looked up at him and then sort of sidled away. Sort of <laughs> Uh, left. And Vivekananda said that I learned a great lesson for the rest of my life. All the challenges of our lives, they are generated by our past karma. So they are the brutes. I'm not saying that the person you like is, oh, you are that brute, the Swami told me about. No. It's the fear that we have. It's that avoiding that we do. What has to be done, what has to be said, has to be done and has to be said. Of course gently, of course skillfully, but still, to face up to it. 
other people, circumstances, one's own health, one's own um, daily life, one's own behavior, all of these, one's own thoughts, everywhere face the brute. So he says, two, two that all this is contained in the little um, word, but, in contrast, Arjuna, he, uh, Krishna addresses Arjuna. Arjuna, of course, is the name of the prince. But this, is a, this verse is a nice time to tell you the meaning of the word Arjuna. You know what it means? It means swacha, clear. Pure, pure or clear. See, the whole teaching is, by this practice you will purify your, your uh, mind. And Arjuna, the name of the, the student, his name means pure. Swacha or clear or pure. Control the body-mind complex. Indriya here means the senses. But which senses? Not only the five sense organs, but the five motor organs also. With which we sense, I mean, we hear and smell and taste and touch. But with which we walk and talk and grasp. All this, this entire sensory system. He says controlling this with the mind. Controlling or directing this. Niyamya means directing this with the mind. Now, mind here, what does it mean? Here, mind means the entire inner instrument. The word in Sanskrit is very, very precise. Antakkarana. What do you mean inner instrument? Is there an external instrument? There is an external instrument. Our uh, sensory system is the external instrument. The physical senses. The, our eyes, ears, these are external instruments. Why, why are you calling it external? External because they are in contact, contact with the external world. Eyes are in contact with form. Ears are in contact with sound. And tongue with taste. Nose with smell. Skin with touch. So they are in contact with the external world. In contrast to these external senses, plus also the motor organs by which we work, and we, we act, walk, talk, um, use our hands. So we are in contact, dealing with the external world, transactions with the external world. In contrast to this, notice, you have an inner instrument. Mind, memory, intellect, ego, your decision-making faculties, your faculties for feeling, for thinking, for understanding, and memory, recollection. All of that together is called inner instrument. It has four components. Mana, buddhi, chitta, ahankara. All are precisely defined. You might be surprised to know that mind, intellect, these are defined. Yes, they are defined. Sankalpa, vikalpa, atmakam, manaha. Mind is that which considers the various possibilities, various thoughts which bubble up. When it's, you have a jumble of thoughts going through your inner sense, most of the time, that, that state of the inner instrument is called mind, manas. When you have clarity, you have knowledge, that state of the inner instrument is called buddhi, intellect. So I am working out a math problem, mind, churning away, not getting anywhere. That's mind. The same mind, when the flash of illumination comes, I get it, I have cracked the problem, I know it now, intellect, buddhi. When you are getting information stored from the past, Memory, that is called chitta. And all of this is coordinated by one coordinator, that is called the ego, ahankara. All defined. Nishchaya, atmika, buddhi, intellect is that which gives clarity and the determinative faculty. Then um, ahankara, abhivan, atmika, ahankara. 
Abhimanatmika means that which appropriates the functions of everything. I am talking. If you look at it very, very carefully, no, you say, no, you are not. I is the ego. The ego is not talking. Ego cannot talk. It's the, uh, the tongue and the voice box and um, the brain using all of, all of its faculties and generating this. And the ego says, I am talking. And there the ego is saying, I am listening. I am walking. I am talking. I am. Ego cannot walk. It's the body which is walking. But the function of the body, the function of the senses, the function of the other mental faculties are all appropriated by, taken up by, claimed by, and coordinated by ego. That's a function. Ego in itself is nothing wrong. Only one thing you need to know about the ego. Do you know what is that? All of this which I described now was just a description. Not nothing new. Not Vedanta. You all know it. It's, it's a description of, it's as much... A description as I'm, if I say, there you are sitting in the chair. Is that Vedanta? No. Just a description of what is a fact right now. So I describe the fact about you, your inner facts right now. But there's one thing that you need to know to make it spiritual. What? Ego, you are not the ego. Just as I am not this clock, clearly. I am not even the shirt which I am wearing, Clearly. I am not even the body. It's an object. Why? Why not the body? And we have discussed, discussed this again and again. For many reasons. And though we think we are the body. I am not the body. I am not the senses. I am not the prana. I am not the mind. I am not the intellect. They are all objects. I am not even the I. The I sense. The ego. Ahankara. So Manasa, when it says by the mind, controlled by the mind, here is the secret. The secret, the key to control is this. You must have the clarity that the entire body-mind system is not I. How will you have the clarity? Vedanta will say, just take a look. We have discussed it on many occasions. It changes. I do not change. Savikara, Nirvikara. It's an object. I am the subject. Drashta and Drishya. Drigdrishya. It is inert. I am conscious. Chit jada. It is external. I am internal and subtle. Bahya and antara. It is composite and many. It means body-mind complex. Composite and many. I am one and individual. You are one. Ekam and ekam. Like this we can give any number of... These are not just arguments. They are pointers. For you to see... And you can actually see this as clearly as we see, I am sitting here. It's a fact. You can clearly see, it's a fact that I cannot be the body. I am not the sensory system. I am not the mind either. This is the fact that you need to know. So Swami, that's a long way away. And the realization of that, don't use words like realization, long way away. Forget that. If you have a clarity about it, if you believe it, if you see it even, that yeah, I, I understand what you get. Well, I, I get what you, are, what you are saying. I understand what you are saying. That much if you do. Stay with that fact. Give overwhelming importance to this fact. And then put it to use. What is the use? He says, Manasa Niyamya. Use this body-mind complex with the understanding. And where is the understanding? In the intellect. 
Where is the intellect? Which is in the body-mind complex. Understand that I am the unaffected witness consciousness. Here is a mechanism. Here is a machinery. Here are apps which are running on my this very smartphone. Now I will use them. I will now direct them. This gives you, this is the subtlest and most powerful form of control. Why? Because this distances you from what is to be controlled. As long as you think, I am this, very difficult to control. The moment a desire pops up in the mind, I must eat that nice you know, delicacy. Desire has come up from chitta, from past experience. Eyes have got information. There is the restaurant. <coughs> and the memory kicks into action, brings up the past nice experience. And the intellect decides, I must have that. So desire is there and the ego says, my desire, I want to eat. Now how do you stop this? If at all you want to stop it, you want to redirect it, suppose. Suppose this is not necessary. How, how do you do that? If you say now, I must exercise willpower and I must stop myself from doing it, will work sometimes, will not work at other times. Difficult. Why is it so difficult? Because you are fighting against yourself. The same I which says, I want it. That same I says, I don't want it. And immediately, conflict. The instrument and the controller becomes the same thing. Uh, are you with me? Yeah. Conflict. I want it, I don't want it. Both are true. You say, I want to eat it. It's a fact, honest. And I am on a diet. I really, don't, I really want to follow the diet. I don't want to eat it. That's also honest. Both are now pulling. Sometimes this will win, sometimes that will win. And that's li how life goes on. What, he, what uh, Krishna is telling you here is, there is a way out of this. There is a way to cut the Gordian knot. What is the way? The way is to realize this thing, this thing is a thing. Just as this is a thing. The body is also a thing. The mind where desires arise and the ego which claims those desires, that's also a thing. It's not me. If you have that clarity, from that point, you can now control it. Control it means, take away the senses from that which, from which you want to detach it. Put the senses and the body-mind body system into action where you want it. I'll, I'll watch a movie. No, this is time for me to do yoga and meditation. What, what? Alright, here is the system. A desire for watching a movie has popped up. Clearly I can see it all. It's not me. This system has to be redirected towards the yoga practice. Alright, redirected. The moment you get mixed up with it, it becomes difficult. So, Swami, not so easy. <laughs> not so easy, but that is, the, that is the highest practice. There are lower practices. Lower practices, you don't bother with all this strict discipline, you know, make a routine for yourself. There are many, many practices. But all of them are when you are identified with body and mind. But here is going to the core teaching, the Sankhyan teaching that actually you are not the body-mind. So the senses, you have a question? Yes. Swamiji, but how does this work with pain? If you are feeling it, you can't say the body is feeling the pain, <coughs> I am not feeling the pain. So 
Of course, of course, certainly, certainly. First of all, is pain an object or not? That clarity must come. See, first of all, clarity. The beauty of jnana is, and the difficulty of jnana is, first understand. You know, what happens is, um, all this philosophy is nice, but tell me how to deal with my practical problem. My boss yelled, yelled at me. How do I deal with it? Now, there may be many strategies. I'll answer your question. Many strategies to deal with that, and I can tell you that. But the way of jnana yoga is, set it aside. You will know how to deal with it very easily. It won't be a problem for you. Listen again carefully to what I said. Once that clarity comes, you don't have to ask anybody. Boss, yelling, reaction in my mind... All of that is an appearance in me, the awareness. I was there before it, I'm there during it, I'll be there after it. It's not me. Ramana Maharshi, somebody, there's a funny story, somebody wrote an article criticizing him and sent Ramana Maharshi the first draft. And Ramana Maharshi very, uh, very, very um, sincerely went through it and corrected spelling and grammar. And so devotee said, but Maharshi is criticizing you. And Ramana Maharshi said, no, it's, he's criticizing some fellow called Ramana. <laughs> so much distance from the little person. It really doesn't touch him. So, first, this body-mind system is an object. And this is not so difficult to get. Not, not so difficult. Now, pain. What is pain? It's a sensation. Something happens in the body. Still, I'm talking about a physical pain. There can be emotional pain, there can be emotional trauma, but physical pain. Something happens in the body. And immediately the nervous system kicks into action and sends you a message. It's, it hurts, it hurts. Right? Especially chronic pain, you're aware of it, it hurts. Now, are you aware of that hurt? Of course I am. So of course, that's how it hurts. If I'm not aware of it, how will it hurt? I'm aware of it. If I am aware of it, look at your language. I am aware of it. I am the consciousness and it, the pain, is an object in consciousness. As much as this object. Just stay with this, this statement. Is the pain an object? I practiced it. I don't want to say these things because people will misuse I would pinch myself harder and harder and harder and keep the objective element clear. It's a thing. It obviously is. Long before becoming enlightened and all of that, you can see right now. It's a thing. The moment you see it as a thing, a, a very strange thing happens. The distress which comes with the pain, the inner turmoil that disappears. Great deal of our suffering. Our problem is not with the pain. Our problem is with the suffering. A great deal of suffering is because of our inner reaction. A doctor, a friend of mine, uh, who worked in Karnataka, he's a Swami. Before becoming a monk, he was a doctor in, in uh, the government service there. So he said that uh, little girls there, they have time and they pierce their ears to put on um, earrings and stuff. Now, Apparently it is painful. 
at the same time they are looking forward to putting on all the nice stuff their mothers have or their elder sisters have and so he said i would literally see the, the, they would come for the ear piercing to be done safely and the girl is smiling and crying at the same time she's crying from the pain but she's smiling in anticipation of all the things she's going to try out <laughs> is it is it suffering or not yes and no it depends upon your mental attitude to it what sankhya says go beyond it that pain is an object the suffering is your reaction to that pain the suffering can be controlled can be transcended treat it as an object this is an object right but the eyes with which you are what is an what is the definition of an object to begin with anything that you are aware of is an object you are the subject you are aware of this you are seeing it it's an object you're seeing with the eyes open and close your eyes is it an object or not that experience of opening and closing was it an object of your awareness the thought i opened and closed my eyes is that an object that thought yes where will be pain in this spectrum it will be a sensation like opening and closing the eyes remember i am not saying that pain will not hurt everything that is in the external world will remain ex- exactly like that everything that is in the internal world will remain exactly like that but you say i am not it and it is not me not by force by sheer insight by sheer clarity if you try to do it by force like a mantra swami said it's not me pain is not me pain is not me and then you say ouch <laughs> no by clarity this is a story of uh, swami turiyanand ji who who's who had this thing to be lanced um so the doctor came and it was in banaras at that time the doctor the surgeon there came and said swami you need to put anesthesia otherwise when i lance it it will it will it's very painful the swami said just tell me and uh, start your operation i don't need anesthesia so are you sure it's going to be really painful and he did it imagine an operation without anesthesia all throughout it's not that the swami was in deep meditation no 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 he was conscious smiling fully aware so didn't it hurt oh it hurt as much full 100% pain and yet is not suffering this is an amazing thing and the more important instructive thing happened next day when the do- the surgeon came back for dressing the wound so he opened the bandage started dressing it and the swami shouted in pain oh what are you doing and the doctor was surprised swami yesterday the pain was it's hurting now i can understand but yesterday the pain was much more and you are sitting smiling and now you are shouting even though there is pain but it's not like that yesterday then the swami said turiyan ji said to the doctor in bengali bolbe to age mon tule nitam you should tell me that you're going to do it then i'll take my mind away from it this take my mind away from it is this manasaniyamya that i i know it's not me it's that attitude does it work try it start small don't start ambitiously then next time mount sinai i don't need anesthesia <laughs> that will not work at the beginning 
unless you have absolute clarity about this. There's the funny story of another monk, just the opposite of this one, the dangers of all of this, who was going to undergo a small operation in his hand. And uh, the doctor said, I'm going to cut, but it's going to hurt, so I'll put a local anesthesia. And the Swami said, no, I have read Vedanta. This is an object, and I am the witness consciousness. Pain is there. Pain is not in me, the witness consciousness. I'm aware of the body. I'm aware of the cutting. I'm aware of the pain. None of it is me. Are you sure, Swami? Yes, I've read it all. There is the catch. I have read it all. <laughs> Please start operating. The moment the doctor cut, uh, the Swami shouted, Oh, stop, stop, stop. Put, put anesthesia. And then uh, the doctor said, What happened? But you are not the body, not the mind, not the pain. And the Swami said, This works only in Hindi, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> All those teachings, they are in the book. I'm sorry, in English doesn't carry the punch. <laughs> it sounds better in Hindi. All the teachings are in the... I mean, they're theoretical. They're in the book. It doesn't work in practice. It's because that, that clarity has not been gained. It's still some kind of theory. It's not theory. Anyway, so pain is one thing. You, it, it, you can, at, at the very least, you can reduce the suffering. If you try to objectify pain, you'll see you'll reduce the suffering. You can I have seen it working. Now, using that, here the question is karma yoga. Use that knowledge. This body-mind is a machine. Now, if your TV tells you, you want to watch a particular program, TV tells you, no, I like that other sitcom. I'm going to watch that sitcom. You tell the TV, you don't get a choice. You are my TV. And I'm going to play whatever sitcom I want to watch on it. Obviously, you don't give a TV a choice of program. There's a funny, uh, some magazine, there's a story, um, a dog here in, in, the, in the United States, he got, he, it seemed whenever they played National Geographic or Discovery Channel, animals and stuff, the dog loved it. And the dog wouldn't let you change the channel. It would, the moment the owner tried to change the channel, the dog would jump in front of the TV like this and look back at the owner. <laughs> so finally they had to, get the dog his own iPad. <laughs> and where he re watches, he is uh, addicted to National Geographic and Discovery Channel, and he's learned to swipe also like this with his paws. <laughs> but no, the TV doesn't get a choice. The body-mind doesn't, your mind doesn't get to have a choice. You say where you have decided. The intellect decides, this is the way I'm going to lead my life. This is my routine. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is the way I'm supposed to behave. This is the way I would like to behave. Now, if a reaction comes, a few harsh words, somebody treats me badly, and I want to hit back at that person. Now, if I am identified with the mind, and I feel this burst of anger, I am angry. I'm going to shout back at the person. But if I have this clarity, it's a body-mind system. Clearly, there's a flash of anger. There's that word coming in, there's a flash of anger. The whole thing is like a TV show. No, I stop that reaction, I put in another, what is called a skillful reaction. Difficult? Yes and no, not really. If you try to do it straight away, difficult. Try to gain this clarity first. This knowledge, what we have been studying so far. Remember, this is chapter 3. Already the knowledge has been given in chapter 2. So, Niyamya Arabhati, he says, when the con sensory system is controlled, as 
as uh, contrasted in contrast with the earlier guy, the hypocrite, who has forcefully shut down everything. The mind has not been controlled. He's physically not doing anything. Mentally, the mind is going wherever it wants to go. Here, you have stepped back from the body-mind system and now you are directing the body-mind system towards the desirable path and away from the undesirable. Asaktaha. Asakta means detached, not attached. See, attachment to work, attachment to results, neither action is bad in itself, nor are the results of action, karma phala, nor are they bad in themselves. It is attachment to them which is bad. It is attachment to them which produces samsara. I want this because it gives me pleasure. I don't want that because it, it makes me unhappy. And here ethics tells me, no, that one is good for you. And this one... Somebody said, like a buffet dinner where you have lots of what you want and not enough of what you need. So in that way, we, if you li- live life like that, samsara. But you know what you need. You know, you know what is good thought, speech, action. Now you can direct your body-mind system towards that. You can do it skillfully. So... There will be resistance. Why is there resistance? Why isn't it smooth? Because of previous conditioning. The mind said, come on, we had so much fun earlier. Why are you now being so dry and boring and, and all this Vedanta spoilt? You, you have to decondition the mind. That's why karma yoga is useful. So, asaktaha engages the body-mind system in action. Not withdrawing from action forcefully like the earlier, earlier guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I mentioned. I remember in the past we talked about there's a Ashtavakra Janaka story where it's coming from a perspective of Jnan Yoga. Hmm. But when Swami Vivekananda says, uh, you know, face the brutes, uh, he's also talking about being fearless. Fearless. But he's coming from the side of Karam Yoga here. It is, and it is also coming in this sense that why face the brute? Because these are the practical challenges in our spiritual life. If you bypass them and go, try to go straight to the Gyani state, I am Brahman. Now, I am Brahman in the mind, the body is doing something else. This is called hypocrisy. That I think so, but I am not actually living like that. Or in this case, the person physically does not carry out uh, what the person wants to do, but uh, remains thinking about it in the mind. Whereas I am the witness consciousness and mind and body are directed towards the desirable goal. What I decide, this is the way I'm going to lead my life. And the mind and the body follow suit. I decide this is the way I'm going to lead my life and forcefully I give up all other actions, sit quietly there, but the mind is still there. That is hypocrisy. So face the brute means this is a problem I have in my life. Let me work it out. So in Arjuna's case, it would mean doing his duty. What's in front of him. In our case means facing the, 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 facing the brute is the brute is our life. The practical challenges of our life right now. We always tend to take an easy pay, a way out. Laziness is an easy way out. Pleasure is an easy way out. 
And spirituality can also be an easy way out. That's what Vivekananda is talking about, facing the brute. Yes. Yes, but you can, if you use anger without letting it consume you. See, the sattvic mind or spiritual mind, there may be a flash of anger and you may do what is necessary there. Entirely considering the merits of the situation and the welfare of that person. It's not good to let that person behave in that way, even for the welfare of that person. And in this case, it, I need to be firm, I need to be assertive and say something. But internally you are calm. This is one thing. And that anger is gone the next moment, moment you have dealt with it. And the worldly mind holds on to that anger um, um, till death. Oh, he behaved like that with me. Carries on the feud for seven generations. That's the worldly mind. Can't let go. How dare he or she say such a thing to me? No, not how dare. That person is the exact same divinity which is there within me. Because of the coating of that particular mind, that person said such a thing, behaved in such a way. How can I help? Can I help? Will it help if I, if I say something, behave in this way? I can. If you think about it, you know, all the HR stuff you're taught in modern management and or how to deal with difficult people and all. It all works only if you are calm and stable inside. If you lose your cool, nothing will work. None of those techniques will work. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't, be, uh, shouldn't react. You can react, but the reaction should be under your control, not out of anger. Even anger can be used. That's why Vivekananda said about anger, it's a fool who cannot get angry. The wise one does not get angry. And am I making sense? Yeah. You may feign anger to a child. But that doesn't mean you, you are angry with the child. You actually love the child. So many Swamis, I have had some of the harshest scoldings from Swamis who seemed very angry at the moment. Next moment they are the most loving people. There is a story of Swami Premananda who was the manager of Belurmat at the very beginning. So this young man, who later became a monk, at that time he was not yet a monk, he was visiting. And he saw Swami Premananda, who was, who was one of the disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, always very sweet. So the, when this visitor came, the Swami turned to him and spoke sweetly. And then he turned around some other novice, um, Brahmachari. Swami Premananda turned to, to him and Premananda was very, very fair. So when he became angry, his face became red. So his face became red and he started harshly scolding that Brahmachari. And this visitor, he says that as standing there and watching and thinking, Oh, this sadhu has anger. This, uh, this monk has anger. The moment I thought that, Swami Premananda turned towards me, complete change in expression and the same sweet voice and started speaking with me. And he says, I stood stunned. And as I stood stunned, immediately turned back to that offending Brahmachari and the face became red again and he starts scolding. It's a demonstration. But how is it possible? It's possible only in this way. Niyamya, manasa niyamya aravate. With the clear understanding, this body-mind system is not me. The flash of anger there is also not my anger. Just as the physical body is an instrument, the psychic body, the subtle body is also an instrument. 
asaktaha detached not attached to the to the work or the results of work the work and the results of work if you get attached to them the work belongs to samsara belongs to nature i'm using the sankhyan prakriti purusha divide so the work karma belongs to prakriti the results of karma belongs to prakriti use them to serve uh, samsara to serve the world how we'll see one is by doing one's duty to the best of your attitude with ability with whatever is available whoever is there whatever capacity you have in that way use your body mind to serve so karma and the results of karma belong to samsara in that case you belong to god or you are the witness consciousness the moment you say i am doing that work and i want that result for myself trapped if you try to run away trapped why why is it trapped because i am still identifying with this body and mind i am using this body and mind to run away what happens is the moment we say i don't i'm not interested in these things i'm a spiritual person i'm still very much body minded then the body will hijack that spirituality what the body wants nothing more than ease and relaxation yes you are spiritual stop doing these worldly things go and sit in a meditation hall that might be it's all not always wrong but might be tamasic that's what arjuna wanted to do actually somebody had a question this yes what is it um when the i principle is taken away what joy is there left in the body of actions of fruits passion there's nothing left there you know you work like a machine you just devote yourself and it's just an emptiness i mean this what's joy it's such a passive yeah 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 sad sad huh? <laughs> yes <laughs> no no it's a good question um if you remember in the second chapter of the bhagavad gita at the end arjuna asks this question to krishna what are the characteristics of the enlightened person stita pragnasya ka bhasha and the first thing that krishna tells arjuna is prajahati yada kaman sarvan parthamanogata when all the desires which are accumulated in the heart when they are transcended that i am not it they are not mine i have nothing to do with them shankaracharya comments there he says in this way if somebody tries to live in this way there will be no satisfaction in life guy will go crazy same question and he says no the second line krishna says atmanyava atmanyeva atmana atushta the complete fulfillment in the atman that is there you have to see and try it first of all that's why i understand if you first of all try to t- you know the swami is telling me i like my um, uh, movies and my and my parties and my uh, excursions and my vacations and swami is taking it all away from me it's an empty life no 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 swami is not taking it away from you first swami is saying find out what you are krishna is telling us find out what you are you realize you are not this instrument and the conditioning of this instrument its desire the desires which bubble up there which you are conditioned to think of as my desires and in satisfying those desires i found pleasure and this is the only value in life the problem with that approach is there is no satisfaction there 
But you know, there's a little satisfaction. Yes, little. After some time, gone. All the efforts of 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, right now, all the money and energy spent in trying to be happy, where is the result right now? Net result. Not there. The delightful tastes of the food, the wonderful fragrances of flowers you have smelt, the wonderful music you have heard, the, the things that you have seen, uh, vague memories fading away. Almost all of it has faded away, a little bit remains. And if you try to dredge it up and try to regurgitate it and, and chew it on it, trying to get the old pleasure back, very faint traces of it will be left. True or not? Won't you spend your life for the rest of your life like that? No. Is there any lasting peace? The sense pleasure, I am this body-mind and I am going to get pleasure through the body and mind. This is what Eric Fromm put it. The, the pleasure, the happiness we have in a modern world is building up tension and releasing it. I see something on the advertisement. People think everybody on the, all the models in the advertisement, they're all smiling. If you purchase that car, I will be smiling like that also. <laughs> then I work hard, get the money, purchase the car. So for a short while, smiling. Yeah. And then again, the happiness is gone. Then what to do? Let me build up the tension again. I've got X, now Y. Got Y, now Z. Build up the tension, release the tension. So that happiness is sense happiness. And that leads to unhappiness almost immediately. Whereas what he's talking about is not at all empty. There's a deep freedom in this now. Suppose you're a slave. Day and night whipped by a master and made to work to satisfy the master's desires. And so deluded that I become, that I think, ah, I, I get a nice whipping and I make the food for the master. The master says, how nice. I say, oh, this is great. I'm so happy. Now, when I'm released, I don't get a whipping. I don't, get, I don't cook the food and the master doesn't smile. What joy is there in life? No, there is joy in life. There is, for the first time you're released from that, that, that grindstone. What is the grindstone? Who is the master here? Body and senses and mind and intellect. This whole body-mind system has become my master. That old Sanskrit saying, Kinkarasya kinkari kritoham. Alas, what a state I have fallen to. I, the Atman, the pure consciousness. By the servant of my servants, I have been made a servant. Who is my servant? The mind. Who are the servants of the mind? The senses. I have been made a servant to the senses. The eyes say, see this. I am running after it, trying to see it. The tongue says, taste that. I am running after it to, to taste that. So, freedom from this servitude. It gives you great peace. Try it and see. Don't worry, you don't have to give up anything. Try it for an um, hour or two a day and compare it for the other, um, say, 14 or 16 hours of your waking time and see which is better. He says, Savishishyate Karma Yoga. Practice Karma Yoga in this way. Karma Yoga has two parts Karma and Yoga. Karma is for the world, Yoga is for yourself. Swami Vivekananda put his whole philosophy into this. 
Do you remember the motto? Atmano Mokshartham Jagat Hitayacha For one's liberation and for the welfare of the world. It's a philosophy of life. Yoga is for myself. I will realize God or I'll become enlightened and I will get permanent lasting peace and joy. And the activities of the work I do, I lay no claim on that. They are for the welfare of others. Then it becomes karma yoga. Whereas what was Arjuna trying to do? He was trying to lay claim to the work. This fighting I shall do, punish the evildoers and this is the point what I am trying to do. No, then samsara starts for you. So karma yoga. In front of you now, husband, wife, children, parents, or whatever, your relatives, job, career, all of that, your personal life, treat it as this karma. It belongs to samsara. I have to do it. It is not mine, it's not me, and it's not mine. It is samsara's. It's in front of me, it will be done. This body and mind belong to samsara. I'm giving what samsara has given me it, back to samsara. I am the conscious, the witness consciousness. If you are of a jnana nature, I am the witness consciousness. If you are a devotional nature, my connection is to God. Body, mind and work connected to samsara. My connection is to God. Samsara, you will plunge into samsara if you do the opposite. My connection is to samsara, body and mind. Then you are caught in samsara. So this is how karma yoga works. What will be the result? And this karma also remember two things can happen. One is kartavya karma. The thing which is right now in front of you. Can I convert it into spiritual practice? There are only two options. One is I'll run away from it. Which Arjuna was trying to do. And which many people try to do. The moment one becomes spiritually uh, awakened in the sense that I want to realize God. I want to be become enlightened or whatever you want in spiritual life. Then you start looking for um, passport, Indian visa, Himalayas. What about spouse, job, kids? You tell the spouse, you pick up the kids from now on. Job, here is my resignation. I'm off to the mountains. This is one way of dealing with what's in front of your life. But that, Krishna is against that. So, deal with the, what is in front, of your, uh, in, in front of you in your life. Kartavya karma, do karma yoga there. As, as Krishna has mentioned. Try it. Another kind of karma could be not just your, uh, the work which is in front of you, but it could be that you want to help others. So you have an NGO or an ashram. or So, for example, I'm a monk. So my body and mind are put into this great yajna of, of Jagathitaya for the welfare of the world. So my order may put me in a school where I was or a hospital or, or a teaching center like this. And it's all part of a great service done to the world. Both ways. Why I'm saying this is, many people think, oh, karma yoga means I have to start a hospital. Karma yoga means when I'm cooking in the kitchen, that's mine. But when I go to the soup kitchen, that's karma yoga. No, not necessarily. What The cooking that you're doing in your kitchen can also be karma yoga. Realize it is samsara. This body also belongs to samsara. By this, I'm doing my duty. I'm serving the world. I am the witness consciousness separate from this. Sir Vishishyate. What is the result? The result is this person excels. What is excels? Chitta Shuddhya Gyanavan Bhavati. By, by the 
purification of mind, one becomes enlightened. As a result of this karma, karma yoga, one attains purif purification of mind and becomes qualified for Vedanta. Then eighth verse. I thought I'll do three verses today. Niyatam kuru karmatvam Niyatam kuru karmatvam Karma jayo hya karmana Karma jayo hya karmana Sharira yatra pichate Sharira yatra pichate Na prasidhye da karmana Na prasidhye da karmana Here is Krishna's advice. Niyatam kuru karmatvam Continue to do all the actions which, are, which face you. Not that actions for the work which is done for self-sense gratification, but your duty. So you have a family to take care of, you have a job to do. This is the minimum duty facing you. You have yourself to take care of. Yes, do that. All of that has to be done. Why? Karma jayo hyakarmana. Work is better than no work. The Holy Mother used to say to all the people who were there, Ma Kaj Lokhi. Work is Mother Lakshmi. <laughs> he say, she says, Shorir Mon Dui Bharatake. Body and mind both both will be will be good. You'll be happy in body and mind. You'll be healthy in body and mind if you keep the body and mind engaged in action. In fact, Krishna will say later on. Even actions done with desires. I want to enjoy myself in this world. He says even that action is better than sim simply sitting quiet. Because rajas is better than tamas. Both will lead to samsara. But rajas is better than tamas. If I say no, I want to be rich. No, 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 I have read Vedanta. There is no point in being rich. Uh, I am going, not going to do anything. Are you doing Vedanta? Are you working for spiritual enlightenment? No. Then why don't you go and get a job and be rich? No, that's worldly. Now that kind of thing that leads straight to tamas and a degradation of a person. It's far better to be up and doing and then go from tamas to rajas to sattva. Not get stuck in rajas. The problem is if you get stuck in rajas, pain will be there, suffering will be there. So he says, karma jayo hyakarmana. Karma jaya means greater. Action is greater than no action. See, Gita is a philosophy of action, you see. Krishna is absolutely, he gives no quarter here. You must be up and doing. And then he says, Sharira yatra pichate na prasiddhe da karmanaha. If you do not do action, even your personal well-being, your personal, your own life also you cannot protect. See, apply it to a person who wants to become a monk, this makes very great sense for, say, a monk in the Himalayas. The only action you're supposed to do as a monk there, I've, I've lived like that for some time. You go out once in a day, or maybe twice, you beg for your food, you take a bath in, the, in a mountain river or something, and the whole day, rest of the day is free. You want to study, meditate, do whatever you want to. So he says that even that much is necessary to keep the body and the soul together, to, to, to live. So action is necessary. Even if you get up, give up all your worldly duties and go and sit in a mountain cave, still the body will die if you don't act. It will become unhealthy. It will die. So, sharira yatra, even your daily living will become impossible if you give up action. So, 
ऑलवेज एक्शन इज टू बी प्रेफर्ड ओवर इन एक्शन यस सात्विक एक्शन कर्म योग इज बेटर देन कर्म कर्म मीन्स एक्शन विद डिजायर सकाम कर्म एक्शन विद डिजायर आई वॉन्ट प्लेजर आई वॉन्ट मनी आई वॉन्ट सक्सेस एक्शन विद डिजायर दैट्स बेटर देन नो एक्शन एंड बेटर देन एक्शन विद डिजायर इज एक्शन विदाउट डिजायर एट दैट क्रूशियल पॉइंट स्पिरिचुअल सीकर्स ट्राई टू गिव अप एक्शन ऑल टूगेदर एंड कृष्णा टेल्स दैम दैट टेल्स अस दैट नो डोंट गिव अप एक्शन ऑल टूगेदर एक्शन गिव्स अ फ्रेमवर्क फॉर डिसिप्लिन यू सी the moment in you can see the contrast in monastic uh, order what happens is the moment a person becomes a, comes to become a monk is doing what arjuna wanted to do give up the the present activities of life whether it's family life or job or whatever and come to the monastery to become a monk you know what we do to the novices they don't have time to draw breath we make them so busy on purpose I remember in my early days is get up early in the very very early in the morning well before 5 o'clock go and open the temple and um, clean the inner shrine get it ready before the students come for their morning prayers morning prayers conduct morning prayers then meditate do your japa then go back to room um, i mean get ready for this breakfast the moment breakfast is over you run to the head swami's i'm telling the exact routine we followed to to uh, his quarters where he will conduct a class uh, and you don't want to be there at the receiving end of the glare if you are even a minute late then there's a class where we study the gita and other things with all the other novices moment that is over you rush back to your room take a bath get ready there is school and for me there was school so i had to go to the school and teach the kids i had class after class at that time i think i was taking i was giving um uh, um 24 classes a week 28 classes a week is hard work catch lunch in between there's no question of the traditional indian nap in the afternoon so and the evening there is some other duty um, we get ready for doing aarti in the shrine or puja there sometimes uh, you have your turn to do the morning ritualistic worship of sri ramakrishna evening aarti then there is meditation then you have to look after the the students have had their food and so and so forth after that you have to meet the swami again you have to have memorized verses of the gita you have to tell the <laughs> verses to the swami and by the time it's time for bed lights out you rush back finished in the where we train the novices there are 26 bells in 24 hours to the minute not minute to the second so and like that you have to live for for 2 years why why so many we used to complain i don't get enough time for meditation i don't get enough time for study on purpose why because if you let free all right take time for meditation what will happen you'll end up going down sleeping mind is not ready we think we can i'm going to sit like vivekananda and be in samadhi no 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 not so easy there was one as end with this story in banaras when swami turiyanand ji was there one of the young monks complained there is too much work and in it is a hospital too much work i want to meditate and swami turiyanand said all right you go and stay in that room there is a particular room given to him go and stay there you don't have to do any work you meditate but the condition is don't come out of the room just stay in the room and meditate 
and we'll send your food to you. A week went by, then Swami Turiyananda asked somebody, uh, somebody else, another monk, how is that young monk doing? Oh, Swami, he's talking to the tree outside his window. <laughs> said, all right, bring him back and put him to work in the... There was one Swami, Swami Chandikananda, who wrote many beautiful songs in Bengali, which are still sung. I didn't meet him, but I heard this story. He became a monk under Swami Akhandananda, who was a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna, who started the orphanage in, in um, Sargachi. So the story is, Swami Chandikananda, he was a young novice at that time. And in the morning at 10 o'clock, he was sitting in the temple and meditating. He said, this is the time when I'm fully awake and ready. Four o'clock meditation, difficult, you feel sleepy. But now it's okay. I've had my breakfast and my bath and it's all nice. I can sit and meditate. And Swami Akhandananda, from outside the prayer room, it's a small shrine, from outside the shrine, he is he's shouting. He said, hey, don't pollute the temple. Come out here and water the flower, flower pots. Do some work. He can see what's going on in his mind. Once... Um, um, the young monks were sitting with Swami Brahmananda in Belurmat uh, and they were talking about spiritual matters and wonderful. And Swami Premananda was in charge of the monastery, the kitchen and everything. He shouts from down there, hey, the, the vegetables have not been uh, dressed, they have not been cut, the, the preparations for the cooking are not, not ready. Uh, where, where are you all? And Swami Brahmananda said to the monks who were un unwilling to live, leave his company, they were so happy sitting with him. He said, go tell the Swami, we have come here to become enlightened, not to cut vegetables. <laughs> you are a great Swami, why don't you bless us with enlightenment, then we can cut all the vegetables you want. <laughs> the moment he says this, from downstairs where he could not hear, the Swami shouts back, all right, meditate. All you want, I'll do all the work myself. But if I hear the commotion of the marketplace in your minds, I'll go there and pull you down by your ears and make you do the work. To him, what is in our minds is an absolutely open thing. If I hear the commotion of the marketplace in your mind. This is what the Gita says, sitting there and thinking about the world. So that kind of meditation, no good. It's far better to do work. And regularly meditate. Remember, it's not that you have to do work all the time. Meditate, study, worship, work. The four yogas. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu <coughs>